All right, Matthew chapter 6, we come to a new chapter here this evening, and uh, again, we're looking here at the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we've been coming through, we came through chapter 5, and in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is giving the the precepts about His coming kingdom, Uh, He's been preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Uh, Schofield called the... Sermon on the Mount, the Constitution of the Kingdom, and uh, that's really what we're looking at, and uh, he's been describing the characteristics of that believing remnant and those folks who will then inherit the kingdom. When we come into chapter 6 now, we're going to have a little change in our focus, and in chapter 6 now, the focus is going to move to the motive that's going to govern the heart of that of the believing remnant. So we're going to be looking at the heart motive. In chapter 5, we saw the standard of the righteousness in the kingdom. And we saw that issue of the new covenant standard of righteousness. He took the law and he <clears throat> elevated it. He intensified it. Now the new covenant, he's going to write it in their hearts and so forth. And now in chapter 6, he's going to take that new covenant standard of righteousness, that heart attitude, and now he's going to apply it to the details of the lives of these uh, kingdom believers, the kingdom saints here. And it comes out of verse 48 of chapter 5, where he says, Be ye thou perfect. And again, he's talking about the perfect there being in the obedience of the commandments he just went through with them. And, and really, specifically in verse 43 to 47 there, and uh, in meeting those requirements perfectly. And again, that issue of perfection, the issue of completeness, that's what he's talking about. So he's going over and over <clears throat> now in chapter 6, he's going to bring the remnant <clears throat> to focus in on the fact that what they should be doing is what the Father's standard is. If you look there at verse 1, Take heed that ye do, that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Look at verse 4. That thine alms may be in secret and thy Father... Verse 6, But thou whom thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast fully shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father. Verse 8, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things. Verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven. Drop down to verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 18, you get the point? What's he doing? He's emphasizing the Father. And he's he's bringing them, verse 18 there, he says, that thou appear not unto men to fat, too fast, but unto thy father. Verse 26, down at the end of the verse, yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Verse 32, for your heavenly father knoweth. So again, the emphasis in all of this is going to be that they need to keep their eyes on the father. Why? Because, well, five, five, chapter 5, verse 48 Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. There's the the new covenant standard of righteousness. And so he's he's now going to take the heart motive, write the law in their hearts, cause them to do, and now he's going to move into different areas of life for the believing remnant, and he's going to begin to move move the focus to here's how this is going to work out in their lives. So when, you, when we are de- dealing here, chapter 6, we'll go back here in verse 1, that's really the, a shift now. Here's the hard attitude to have, 
Now here's the, how it's going to work out in the details of life. Notice verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men. So he's going to start with the issue of the giving of alms. Alms is a gift, money, that, that they were to give to the poor. Remember in Acts 3 when the blind man showed up there and Peter and John were dealing with him? And he was looking for alms. He, he asked them for alms and they didn't have any. He was wanting money. That's what we're talking about. So he says, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Don't give alms just to be seen. Okay? Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward now verse 2 is sarcasm <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> and uh you know <laughs> a lot of sometimes people don't think the lord had a sense of humor and he really does he he has a great sense of humor and and really this is the, the whole issue here is don't don't be given your alms to get the pat on the back you know um and by the way, the Lord knows that nobody's going down to the synagogue with the, you know, with the trumpet blowing. You know, it's a hyper, it's a, it's, it's sarcasm here. You know, <laughs> could you imagine the guys coming in? Doot, 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 we're here, <laughs> woohoo! You know, and, and and that's what he's after here. You know, he he's he's using an overstatement there, if you will, and uh, basically he, he you, you you know that. He just is telling them, hey, look, guys, remember, Christ is your reward. They're going to get their reward. Remember the Pharisee in the temple, and he beats on his chest, and I'm not like them over there in the publican, you know, the publican guy. And the publican says, hey, Lord, you know, <laughs> I laid the sacrifice on the altar and have a little mercy. So don't, don't go beating yourself up. Don't, you know, don't go doing that. But, verse 3, when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Now that's a, usually a misquoted passage. Did your left hand ever know what your right hand was doing? No. <laughs> Do you ever lie, you know... Do you ever look at your hand and go, hey, what did you do all day today? Well, no, you didn't do that. What runs these guys? The brain does. The head does. And again, so he's using figure of speech here to, to press home the point. And the point here is, is if you're going to do something for the Lord, don't go do it on a big public display. Verse 4 that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. You see, the idea here is if you're going to, Colossians 3, Paul says, And whatsoever you do, do heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. Colossians 3 there. That's the idea here. You're going to do it, you go do it between you and the Lord. And when you do that, you're going to get a reward from the Father. By the way, He's in heaven. So the issue is the motive, not the method. Not the, it's not just them going down there and, you know, you give, you, you just dump it over here and, you, all right, who's watching me? You just go do it. You, you do it privately. You do it quickly. You do it non-ceremoniously. You're not thumping your chest. Why? Because the motive is just simply that hard attitude of giving as they've been commanded to give. They're going to, here in a little bit, the Lord's going to tell them you're going to sell everything and you're going to give alms. You're going to sell it and you're going to come and you're going to lay it down at the, the feet of the, of the apostles. So, as, and by the way, as believers today, you and I, you know, we, there, there's some, something in this for you and I. You know, we don't pass an offering plate around. Mainly, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just we never started that way. Okay? 
you know, when we first got started, when we're meeting in the living room, there was really, you know, hey, Rick, what, you know, how much was coffee today? That was not, but when we started meeting publicly out and renting a building, you know, there was me, Nick Marcosian, Jerry Fry, and wives, okay, and that was it, you know, Doug, I think Doug was around. So we didn't have a lot of guys who had any understanding about, well, we're going to take an offering up and pass a plate. So we just got a little suggestion box and put offering tag on it and let it go. That's just how we started. So, so we don't have, here we really don't have a lot of this, who's looking to see if I'm putting my check in, you know. And that's the point here. You come over here and you just sit it in there and you go on. You, you, you're doing it not for the purpose of being seen, but you're doing it for the purpose of, hey, this is, I'm a cheerful giver, and that's what I'm going to do. That's what these guys are doing here. That's what the Lord is getting at them here. Look, guys, you're going to give alms. You're going to have this generous giving. It's not going to be to get the attaboys and the accolades. You're going to do it because your heart's right, and the heart motive in giving is right. Now, notice in verse 1, he says that ye have, otherwise ye have no reward. He promises these guys that there will be rewards and that he's going to bring back, that he, there's going to be rewards that he's bringing back with him when he brings his kingdom in his second coming. If you'll notice in verse 1 there, he said, take heed. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, okay, the end of that verse, they have their reward. In verse 4, the end of that verse, in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Over there in Revelation 22, flip over there real quick, Revelation 22, this is a passage that, where he's talking about here. So Matthew 6, as we saw in, in 5, now in 6, we're looking out to that kingdom, a future event here. Matt, Revelation 22, verse number 12, John writes, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. You see, come, as you come back, come back to 1 Peter 1. At his second coming, he's going to reward these, the, the tribulation saints with an inheritance in that kingdom. That's what he's getting at. And <coughs> that's that issue when we were in Luke and we were in, especially in Luke, we'll see it here in Matthew in a little bit. And he says, hey, while I'm gone, occupy till I come. And he comes back and he says, now you have authority over ten cities. He looks at the twelve apostles and says, you're going, to have 12, you're going to sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 uh, tribes, and those tribes are going to have authority based on what they did with, with what's going on here. 1 Peter 1, notice, if you will, verse 13. 1 Peter 1, verse... <coughs> oh... How about verse 3? Not verse 13. How about verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And again, he's talking to the nation of Israel. They're going to be born again. All right? <clears throat> Not going to be born like they were before. Physically, God begat them. Now they're going to be what? Spiritually taken care of. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. Now watch, reserved in heaven for you. So when Christ goes, here he is. He's on, he's, he dies at Calvary. He ascends up. The Holy Spirit comes back. You've got the Acts period started. When he goes up and he, <clears throat> he ascends up there, he meets the Father, 
He says, hey, I'm going to go, and while I'm gone, I'm going to get my kingdom, and you guys are going to occupy down here, okay? And then when I come, when I come back, I'm going to have, I'm going to set up, and I'm going to bring with me the kingdom, and you guys are going to be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You guys are going to be rolling, okay? Roland. They're going to have the inheritance. Roland. <laughs> I'm not Tina Turner. <laughs> yeah, rolling down the river. I, I heard that this, I, um, I went by the store and uh, was doing some things and they were singing that Roland. <laughs> oh, yeah, always. They, they always stick in, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so here, here they are. They, they go out, they're, they're doing, they're occupying, they're doing what the Lord's trained them to do, they're op- operate, they're rolling in the new covenant doctrine, they're tasting it, verse 5, 1 Peter 1, 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed, notice, in the last time. Their salvation is going to be revealed over here at the second coming. That's what we're talking about. See, there's going to be the 70th week of Daniel come in here, the trib, right? And then he's going to come back and ba-boom. He's bringing the inheritance. What are they inheriting? They're inheriting the kingdom. He goes up, the Holy Spirit comes, fills them, they work through, they're, going, they're, they're walking right into this. That's what they're seeing, that's what he's laying in here. Verse 9, receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. He's talking about something that's going to be brought unto him, brought to him. Verse 13, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's his coming back, second coming. All of the passages are second coming. Come back to Luke 14. So when he looks at these guys in Matthew 6, and he says, hey, listen, this is how you're going to behave in life. You've got the hard attitude down. Here's the motive now. Here, here's why you're going to do. The reason you're going to go over there and you're going to take care of business quietly, secretly, no big fanfare, is because one day you're going to get your reward. And your reward is going to be over here ruling and reigning in that kingdom. Luke 14, <clears throat> verse 11, Luke 14, 11. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Sounds a little like what we've been reading in Matthew 6. The guy that makes a lot out of himself is going to be abased, And the guy who comes along and is quiet about it is going to be exalted. That's the principle of kingdom living. If you come in with the big boop-boop, and here we go, you're going to be back of the line, Charlie. Okay? And you know what? Come over to Isaiah chapter 2. That's the principle. And this principle is a picture, Isaiah 2, (coughs) of the second coming or the day of the Lord. That's another name for it. Isaiah 2, look at verse 12. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty. And upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Verse 14. And upon all the high mount, 
I'm sorry, verse 17. There it is. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. You know, if you're, if, go, go back there to Matthew 6. If you're working your way, or um, back to Luke 14, I'm sorry, let's go back to Luke 14. If you're working your way, <laughs> trying to get into the kingdom, the last thing you want to be is a lofty person. <clears throat> because what's, what's the second coming going to do? By the way, the day of the Lord is a big, broad term. It's got a lot of events in it. You know, a, you, you think about that word day. <clears throat> there, are a, there are literally 24 hours, so 24 different periods within a day. It's not all just one. <clears throat> now, you may do the same thing over a bulk of those, so you've got a big day. The day of the Lord actually extends out beyond the, the great white throne judgment into the new heaven and the new earth. It doesn't end because it's his day. Okay? So it's very fascinating when you study out. It starts, by the way, back all the way over here at the time of Jacob's trouble with Jacob and the 12, and the 12 tribes and everything. And as they begin to go in, in, into and through the... Um, <clears throat> those courses of judgment because he's doing some things with them. But the day of the Lord is, is, is a majority of the time associated with his wrath and him dealing that out. Anyway, you're back to Luke 14, I hope. Luke 14, verse 11. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, when thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors. I love that one. Lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. In other words, don't ask them because they might invite you back and return the favor. Okay, But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. There's that second coming. By the way, there's a reference there in Revelation about that first resurrection and so forth, and you got that as well there. So the thing is, is look guys, when you do some things here, <clears throat> now come back to Matthew 6. When you do this stuff, let's do it with the right attitude, the right heart here. We're not trying to look to get something back. No quid pro quo. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> okay. Not, what's that? To be current. To be current. Exactly. 20, 2019 here. December. Right? It's not that at all. It's rather do it for, because, and by the way, <clears throat> the lame the blind, the poor. Does that remind you of a group of people he's going to fix in the kingdom? It matches that. Where he comes back and he's going to heal the blind and make the lame leap and so forth. The maimed, the blind, the, 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 in that they're, they're a certain, it's a condition <laughs> that these people are going to be in. So the point here in Matthew 6, go back to Matthew 6, is the motive of the heart. And they have to make sure that their heart is doing it for the Lord and not for public display. They're not to exalt themselves, but they're to do it for Him. And quite honestly, that's us as well. And, and again, we have to be careful of that because these folks have a lot riding on it. We, we don't because we, we have everything already given to us. <laughs> so, but our old man likes to, to get in the way. And uh, we have to be very careful with that. And again, for these folks, they have that new covenant standard, and they're going to have that new covenant heart motive as well. Verse 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward again do you see their motive what's their motive to be seen of men don't do that these guys are sitting there 
and they're standing on the street corners and they're making their prayers loud. And again, you go to Luke 18 and you read the, that, the, the stuff there with the publican and the Pharisee and all that. They go down there to that temple. He's beating his chest, making a big scene. And the publican is just over there, Luke 18. He's just over there very quietly, lays it on the mercy seat and says, Lord, remember me. <coughs> he has his reward. And the Pharisee's reward there isn't a good thing. Because one's going to go into the kingdom and the other one's going to get cast into hell. And that goes back to that stuff we were reading about in chapter 5. Verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now that right there, gets, that verse gets butchered so bad. Okay? And, and honestly, it, you just have to leave it where it sits, and you're okay. If you go into the closet, your motive is to get to God. That's the point here. Your motive is not to be seen of men. That's the, verse 6 is the contrast to verse 5. What's the, what are they doing? Let's be seen of men, boasting. No, what you're going to do is you're going to go over here and get in a closet. You're going to hide your... It's all figures of speech, okay? They're not literally climbing into a closet, all right? Most of their little abodes didn't have a closet. But it's, so it's, not, it's, it's the motive, that's the issue, what he's saying to him is, is, guys, when you pray, your motive needs to be to talk to God and not to have to men. You know, and again, God's interested in the motive of their heart. That's the point here. Verse 7, when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. <laughs> so, do you see who uses vain reputation? Uh, uh, <coughs> sorry, repetitions. <laughs> They're saying empty words over and over and over again, aren't they? Reminds me of children. If we just nag dad long enough, he's going to cave. You know, I look, what'd your mom say? She said it was up to you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, mom, what'd you say? She said, no, I'm a no. Come on, dad, come on. You know, just blah, 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 blah. Well, that's, hey, if we pray enough, <coughs> if we nag God enough, eventually he's going to hear us and give it to us just to shut us up. You know, three-fourths of Christianity does this. All of them out there do this. They're just rack, 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 you know, empty words, vain. There, there was a guy one time, you ever seen a prayer wheel where you, it's a, like a, like, uh, uh, what's that TV, the game show? Oh, wheel of Fortune. And they spin the wheel, and where it lands, that's the answer to your prayer. Woohoo! Put your five bucks down. Here we go. You know, and it's like a carny game. They use this stuff right here as the, the basis of it. By the way, the Roman Catholics, when they do the Hail Marys and the rosaries and all that, that's this stuff here. What does God call them? He calls them heathen. He's also, by the way, he's also calling the Pharisees and the Sadducees heathen here. Because that's who's going to, he's going to go nail them as we go through Matthew. <laughs> he's going to go get them. That's why when Paul over there in Galatians 2 says, I'm going to go to the heathen. You guys are going to the circumcision. I'm going to the heathen. Who is the heathen? The uncircumcised Jew, unsaved Jew, and the Gentile. Peter and the boys went to the believing remnant, the circumcision. Follow that? So we've got a spiritual case here, see? But what's interesting to me is in verse 7, <clears throat> the Lord pulls out the heathen card, and he's using it in reference to, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. It's not, it, it isn't just the jabbering. What counts with God is the heart. You know, and 
again, if you do a whole bunch of good works and, you know, you dump enough faith quarters in the machine, he's going to dump it out. And that just isn't the case. Not even in their program was it the case. Verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Your father knoweth. Got to underline that. Pay attention to that. That's going to be comfort to the believing remnant in the tribulation. When they come to understand that, they're, that the father knows what he needs before he asks. Think about these guys that are going to go through that 70th week. They are running from their lives. They're hiding under rocks. They don't take the mark of the beast, so they can't buy and sell. So the food cupboard is running low. All right. They're out there trying to preach the word and be the testimony that they're supposed to be. Okay. And there sits the little baby that they've got, you know, with no food to eat. But if you take that mark of the beast, you can buy and sell. You can get food for your little baby. See the temptation they're under? Tremendous pressure. But what do they know? They know that the Father knows, and a provision will be made. Isn't that... It's, it's, that's tremendous comfort for them. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you know what we get now? We get the modern day prayer, and we get the model of what prayer should look like. And the problem is, is this is what a tribulation saint is going to pray. This is... This isn't what you and I pray today. We talk about prayer, you know. Paul lays it out pretty good in his in Romans to Philemon. But he begins to pray here. And, and again, this is the so-called Our Father prayer. The, the, rear, the real prayer that Christ does to the Father is John 17. That's the real Lord's prayer. This, this is going to be prayed by a group of people who are going to be in the tribulation, that little remnant, that believing remnant, that little flock, and they're going to come along and they're going to pray this in their time of need, when they need the help. The Father already knows what they need, but they're still going to pray it. That's the thing, because their motive is right. Their heart attitude is right. By the way, it's very interesting in this prayer. Well, let's just read it real quick. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. From... From thine is the for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The end of that prayer, verse 13, from the colon and the word for is not found in the in the Catholic Bible. It's earmarked in all of the new Bibles, by the way, of not being there. <coughs> Just FYI. <laughs> okay. <coughs> <clears throat> from the word, the, the end of verse 13, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, is not found in the Roman Catholic Bible. So therefore, in all the new Bibles, it has a footnote on it. It's earmarked as not being found and doesn't need to be there, okay? It's very, by the way, very ironic. We were sitting in a Catholic wedding one time, a lady at Linda's work, her daughter was getting married, and we were in the Catholic Church, and we all stand. Uh, you know, we're there for her and her friend and, and everything. And you try to participate and not be a bump on the log. So we stand and we do the Our Father prayer. Well, the Catholics stopped, but us, us and the Mormons, we kept going. 
because the Mormons know the, the whole, because they use a King James Bible, they know the whole prayer. So all of a sudden, the, the priest stops, and everybody, the three-quarters of the room finishes it. <laughs> and he just stood there and waited, and then he went on. <laughs> it was actually pretty gracious. But uh, anyway, that, that's what people call the Our Father's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You'll hear, you'll hear people uh, uh, call it the Disciples' Prayer sometimes. You know, and, and again, vain repetitions, acting like the heathen. Mark 12, he talks about a group of people going around in long robes with long prayers, you know, so that they could be here for their much speaking and everything. Uh, when uh, growing up, we, Dad always made mention every now and then about making... Your public prayers ought to be short, and your private prayers ought to be long. So when you pray out loud, you ought to be short and sweet and to the point. But when you're in private, you ought to take care of the longs. Usually when you hear somebody pray, pray long in public, that means they ain't doing much in the private sector. Anyway, so he says, Our Father which art in heaven, uh, <clears throat> back in verse 9, when he says that, <clears throat> God was the Father of Israel. Come back with me to Exodus 4 and just look look at a few verses on this and uh, we'll just work our way down as far as we can till the clock says 8 o'clock, which is 10 minutes. So we'll just go as far as we can. Uh, Exodus 4, look at verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So he, God, Israel is God's firstborn. Um, if you come over to um, Isaiah, let's do them in order here. Isaiah 64, if you will. Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64 and verse <clears throat> Isaiah 63 and verse 16. Isaiah 63:16. Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be, uh, be ignorant of us and Israel acknowledge us not, thou, O Lord, art our father, our redeemer, thy name is from everlasting. Chapter 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou art a potter, and we, are all, we all are the work of thy hand. Jeremiah 31. I think you get the idea. Jeremiah 31, and verse number 9. I, Jeremiah 31, 9. <clears throat> They shall come with weeping, and with supplications will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. So when he starts, our father, which art in heaven. Again, he is their father. Now, he's in heaven he shouldn't be in heaven. He should be where? On the earth. Okay? The whole of, uh, of prophecy, Daniel 2, 44, 45, is that the God in heaven is going to come and set up his kingdom on the earth. So when he says, our Father which are in heaven, is a prayer of a tribulation saint. They're expecting him to come back. So we'll come back to Matthew 6 if you're not back there yet so what they're saying here is move your throne back down here father they re, they they are recognizing and again we're tribulation saint we're over here they're recognizing his rejected status and where they are in his program and he's like look come back it's time for you to come back and establish your throne get it back down here our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come over to Ezekiel chapter 36. Hallowed be thy 
name. Again, the focus here is on the kingdom. Um, Ezekiel 36, verse 21. <clears throat> Ezekiel 36, 21. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel hath profaned among the heathen, whither they went. It's interesting, in Romans, Paul says, You blaspheme the name of God among the Gentiles. You guys messed it up. Therefore, verse 22, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name. Isn't that fascinating? Verse 24, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water. And there's the new covenant. I'm going to take you. I'm going to plant you in your land. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to put my spirit within you. I'm going to, verse 25, 26, 27 there, I'm going to give you a new heart. He's talking about the kingdom. And God says, I'm doing this. Not for you, I'm doing it for my holy name's sake. So when they say, "God, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, come back and make your name holy. Sanctify your name. And let all see who you are. So when he says that, Matthew, go back to Matthew 6. <clears throat> Their hearts, hallowed be thy name. He's gone because of, the, of their blaspheme. They profaned his name. Now their hearts desire, again, in that tribulation period is for what? For him to come back and set it all back up, fix it. Thy kingdom come. Uh-oh. Usually when you hear this, they, people will say something to the effect of, bless us all to the extension of thy kingdom, or use it for the ongoing of thy kingdom, or for the increase of thy kingdom. All three of those statements I heard Schuler say in one Sunday. Well, thy kingdom come. If the kingdom is to be extended, like they say, then it must be what? Here. It's not here. This is where right division helps you, okay? This is, this is the things that kind of come in here and kind of help you out with some of this. So when they say, thy kingdom come, well, what are they wanting it to do? They're wanting it to come. They were told to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand. They were told to practice the lifestyle of the kingdom. <clears throat> they were told that their prom promised pos uh, positions in the kingdom. He told them that if they were faithful here, he would give them authority over cities in the kingdom. He said to the twelve, you're going to sit on the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes. These people are, had a vested interest in the kingdom coming. And they understood what was going to happen to them. So they're looking for it to say what? Come. <laughs> you know, usually for us today, we're crying for the rapture to happen like right now. Oh, man. <laughs> right now, you know. They're, they're praying for it to come. Why? Because they understand they got to go through the tribulation. They do. They get it. They're Bible believers. They understand all of that. And what are the, and yet, what do they know? Man, as soon as that kingdom comes, it's just like, you know, over there, he says, remember the patience of Job. What happened to Job? Do you remember Job? So they got Job. They've been studying. They're over here in the tribulation, 70th week. They've studied Job. What happened to Job at the end? He got everything back. Plus more. They understand the lilies. Consider the lilies. Consider the ravens. God takes care of them. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. See, they got it. By the way, that's Matthew 6, 33. 
it's coming to us here. They understood that. This is an earthly prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> this is an earthly prayer by an earthly people. By the way, that's why it explains why it's so popular with Christians to, today. Because you know what Christians are? They're an earthly people. They're stuck here. And they're looking to get ahead down here. They, they don't have the knowledge about what's really going on. So they're looking for an insurance policy. <laughs> if I do good enough down here, then over there I'll be taken care of. They don't. What's that? The ignorant brethren. Exactly. That's a good point. Thy will, uh, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. How's it done in heaven? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. How is it done in heaven? With absolute obedience. Now this is the third this is a reference to the third heaven. Okay? The second heaven right now is unclean in his sight, Job says. It's it's polluted. So this this is in God's presence. He says what we want down here is that perfect obedience that's up what's going on up there. Cuz in God's presence everybody's doing right. They're doing his will. And they're doing it perfectly. Okay? Verse 11. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, think about, come over to Lamentation. Okay, so Jeremiah, Lamentation, chapter 5. You think about the daily bread issue. I hope you're not praying for the Lord to give you a daily bread. Okay? Today, what do we have to do? Well, you've got to have a little money in your pocket, so that requires a job. Okay, I knew a guy who, who, did, who literally practiced this stuff literally. He lost everything, almost lost his wife and kids in the process of it. He went down, he did what Acts told him, he sold everything. I mean, cleaned out the house, sold everything, was getting ready to sell the house, and his wife put a foot down. I mean, he sold everything. And she put her foot down and said, hey, you do that, we're gone. So he went to the preacher and said, look, I'm doing this stuff, why isn't it working? And he's like, well, you just don't have enough faith. The most devastating thing to say to someone who just did, you know. So fortunately, he found the radio program, Dad and stuff, and Got to understanding some right division. He got looking because this isn't right. You don't pray, you know, give us our daily bread. They do, though. These folks will. Lamentation, chapter 5. <clears throat> Lamentation is a tribulation book. It's written by Jeremiah. Uh, by the way, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. It's doctrinally a prophetic book tribulation book looking towards the judgment and again lamentations is a great cry of the believing remnant in the tribulation and it's written by jeremiah as he goes through a tribulation point period in israel as they're carried away into babylonian captivity chapter 5 verse 7 you found it now right <clears throat> if you've got the right bible it's page 838 <laughs> Okay, but you, most of you guys are running tablets, so that doesn't even work anymore. Jer uh, Lamentation 5, verse 7. Our, our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. Servants have ruled over us. There is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. We gat our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. Notice that. They're out in the wilderness, and they have to go out on a daily basis to get the bread with the peril of our lives. Now, if you remember a little thing over there in Revelation 12 where they run to the wilderness, they're fleeing Satan, and there's a table prepared for them. 
okay? And they're fed and they're taken care of. But right here, come back over there to Matthew 6, when, he, when they're praying, give us our daily bread, they're not in the wilderness yet. They're getting there. Now, look in chapter 6, look down at verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat because it's going to be taken care of. Down in verse 34. Take therefore no thought for, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You don't, we don't operate that way today. But again, folks, they're going to flee out in that wilderness. They can't take the mark of the beast. By the way, if they take the mark of the beast, they're dead. They have no opportunity to go into the kingdom. They go right into the lake of fire. That's the whole deal with that. They can't buy. They can't sell. They got all this stuff going on. They, you know, <laughs> they got to feed their families. So what are they going to pray? Give us our daily bread. By the way, didn't the Lord do that for them one time in the past? Called mammon, uh, manna. It's called light bread. Called corn, the angel's food. It's a cornmeal. Actually, it's cornbread. <laughs> a little honey. Mmm, a little butter. Not that cinnamon apple nonsense that they, the real butter. Real good stuff. You go to Texas Roadhouse and they bring you out and they give you that cinnamon apples. It's really it's like look. They bring it out. It's like no, we want real butter. Bring the butter. You know, load it on there. Stop that heart. Let's go. Oh, that's hey, that's okay. You can like it. <coughs> there you go. You see, folks. These guys in the tribulation, they're praying this. They're, some, they're up against some hard times. They really are. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Again, this petition, is they will be literally be making this prayer petition in that tribulation. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you drop down to verse 14... For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. They're talking about forgive us our sins, forgive us what we owe you, and we'll forgive others as well. Now, this is an important issue in the nation of Israel right here in this time. Because this is a national issue. All right, this is not an individual thing here. This is a national issue. And again, you can't apply this to you and I today, so don't even try. Because in the tribulation, these guys are going to really, they're, <laughs> they're under the gun. Come over to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Well, we're 10 after. You guys okay? Matthew 18, let's see if we can't finish the prayer. Matthew 18 here. <clears throat> Matthew 18, look at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, we, my, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take accounts of his servants. Then he goes in and he talks about the, the unforgiving servant and, 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 and makes the application in verse 35. So verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Israel's debt 
for crucifying Christ was so enormous that they couldn't pay it. So God forgives them. When Christ prayed, Father, forgive them for they know what not they do, he sent the remnant out there to the, to the, to the nation to proclaim forgiveness. What did Israel do? They got mad at the remnant for really preaching a gospel of peace to them. So instead of getting right, they persecuted the remnant. And he knows their end reward is going to be that tribulation. Come back over with me. Oh... The issue, back in chapter 6, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you look over at Luke 11, just so you see it there, Luke 11. Luke 11 starts in verse 2, and he said unto them, When ye pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. Give us, our, give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. See that? So the debts there is the issue of about our sins. Now, when you th go back to Matthew 6 here, the important issue about the issue of forgiveness. By the way, for you and I today, we are already forgiven. Okay? Uh, even as Christ also forgave you, so do ye. So we, this passage doesn't work for you and I today because we're already forgiven. I could never forgive you enough to make it right. Christ did. Okay. Now, so the issue here in forgiveness isn't a forgiveness of sins to justification. It's an activity thing that's going on here. Again, the heart attitude, now the motive. What are we looking for? What are we praying for? So the issue here is the issue uh, that it is a national sin, and it's a national repentance. It's a national forgiveness. So the national's sin have national consequences. A lot of nations in there, national. So the, when the Lord, come back with me to Joshua 7. Maybe I can illustrate it here this way. <clears throat> God looks at Israel as a commonwealth. Okay? So when one messes up, the whole nation messes up. When Paul says in Ephesians 2, we weren't a part of the commonwealth, that, that's what, what he's getting at. So an individual Jew's sin was imputed to the nation. And the nation had to make it right. Look at Joshua 7, verse 1. Here's Achan. And, okay. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accused thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accused thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Achan took and hid something that God said they not to do, but God held the whole nation accountable. Okay? So he views the nation as a commonwealth, as a unit. Verse 10. Drop down to verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, Wherefore, thy, uh, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, <coughs> and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs behind before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you and more anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. So what they do? They go up to that battle against uh, against A, chapter eight, and they lose. But they lose because of the sin 
in the camp because of Achan. So he looks at Joshua and he says, you've got to go down there and fix this and get it right, boom, 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 and off they go. So it's a national thing here. So when they're praying, Father, forgive us our debts and our sins, and you know, we'll forgive you if you we'll forgive and you forgive us. It's a national cry. It's like in Daniel 9 when he cries the national confession there. It's been 70 years because that's what Leviticus 26 told them they had to do. National baptism, national uh, repentance, a national plea to be forgiven. So Daniel stands there in Daniel 9, the beginning of that chapter, first 10, 15, 13 verses, and he says, hey, we messed up. We And he uses... It uses the ye, <laughs> we did this, and forgive us. Come over to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Here's another verse that gets beat up. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 7.14 is another passage that will illustrate this. And, and again, this thing gets used for America and America is nowhere in this verse. This is all national uh, nation of Israel. <laughs> verse 14, if my people, well, who's that? That's Israel. It isn't, it isn't the United States of America. Which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. See that? But watch verse 13. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, I'll get rid of the locusts, and I'll get rid of the pestilence, and I'll send rain, and I'll heal the land. But what's it going to take? The nation doing the national repentance the nation coming along and saying forgive us we messed up and using the nation as a whole so when you come back to Matthew here and he makes this forgive us our debts and we'll and then, then down in, in verse 14 and 15 about forgiveness it's a national sin <coughs> It's a national forgiveness because national, the sin has a national consequence. And that's what they're getting ready with. Okay? Now, verse 13, and we'll finish the prayer when we're going to be a little over, but that's okay. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, you go through the book of the Revelation, Revelation 3, Revelation 12. And, and uh, keep us out of the way of trouble. Deliver us from evil. Keep us from all the evil that that Antichrist is going to come up against. They're looking at it. They're in it. They're right in the middle of it. Just take care of us, Lord. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And again, the end of that verse is left out of most new Bibles, specifically the Catholic Bible. But I want you to see something real quickly. Run back to First Chronicles chapter 29 because there's something here that David prays in first chronicles 29 that is very similar to how this prayer ends in matthew and yet it's very appropriate that this is part of this prayer is only found in matthew whispered by the voice of david the king because Matthew presents the Lord as the king. The end of verse 13, by the way, is not found in Luke, in the Luke prayer there in Luke 11. Okay? 1 Chronicles 29, notice verse number 10 and 11. Verse 10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted 
as head above all. See how closely that matches Matthew? And again, how appropriate for that to fit in Matthew. As Matthew hears the cry of the kingdom saint. And here's the prayer that they're going to cry, and it ends all just like King David had prayed about that wonderful day when the kingdom has come. So when you come back here to Matthew 6, we'll pick up in verse 16 and move on. <coughs> we'll touch a little bit more in verse 14 and 15 a little bit, clean that up. But don't, I don't want you to miss, he's moving now to that motive. We've got the attitude right, the hard attitude. Now we've got to have the right motivation. Don't be seeking the big. Just go do what needs to be done. And when you get over there, you're going to have some hard times, and in the end, the Lord's going to take care of you because you're doing what needs to be done. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the look into it for the wonderful understanding of what you'll be doing with your saints in the earth, in the kingdom, in that day. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.